0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being with us. Let's talk about books. Let's talk about the books you read in high school. And I think back to the four years I spent at U of D Jesuit, one of the things that defines the experience is the books that we read in English. Catcher in the Rye, Grapes of Wrath, Invisible Man, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. It wasn't just the literary analysis of those books, the learning about how to read a book and get all of the right messages out of it that made the impression on me. It was the discussions that we had in class about those books, the things that people would say and reveal about themselves through the text. It was the learning about ourselves and who we were and who we might be Through these wonderful stories. It's hard for me to imagine the idea that my kids might not have as much of that in school as I did, but there is a real possibility that the curriculum will change significantly in a way that pulls a lot of literature out of the curriculum and puts informational text, things that are true, but not nearly as interesting or as literary in form, into the curriculum in their space. That's one thing that is at least undeniably true about the new Common Core State Standards. They are introducing more nonfiction works into English language arts classes, and when the standards are paired with the national tests that are designed to evaluate them, 70% of the text teachers must use in their classes will be informational by the 12th grade. That leaves just 30% for literary works. The classic novels and works of poetry many people remember from high school, Huck Finn, The Great Gatsby, Catcher in Their Eye, those might not be on your kids' reading lists anymore. Part of the goal is to help students become more media literate, something that's really important in this area of social media and cable news spin. But does it mean Julius Caesar gets cut out? Does it mean that Shakespeare and, and the other works of Shakespeare get uh, get lost? Does it mean kids won't read uh, Tolkien's uh, work in in high school as we did? Uh, there are lots of questions I think that this raises about what we value, what we want our kids to know, uh, and what we what we expect that literature adds or doesn't add to the curriculum. What is the purpose of reading these books? What's the purpose of reading great story as part of high school? We're going to talk about that today in the first two segments. And I want to hear from you, uh, listeners 313 577 1019. What books? really shaped your experience in high school what were uh, in your mind the, the the sort of values that you got out of the literature that if you're my age and you're mid 40s that you undeniably had to read when you were in high school and do you think that common core is making a mistake sending the curriculum in a dangerous direction by substituting informational text for these literary texts 313577 1019 again is the number Uh, and joining me to talk about uh, these changes these proposed changes what they look like in classrooms what the debate is uh, among uh, people who have their kids in school and people who shape curriculums in school is Dave Atkins he's an English language arts teacher at Dearborn High School and Chastity Pratt-Dossie who joins us pretty regularly from bridge magazine to talk about education issues hello (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Detroit today. <laughs> Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I want to start with you. Let's sure. talk about what these changes in the Common Core uh, standards look like at the classroom level. Uh, from my read, it says the teachers like yourself need to start uh, reprioritizing and taking these informational texts and making them a bigger deal in the curriculum, which would necessarily mean that literature. Would find less of a place in the curriculum. Is that is that a fair assessment?
1: Yes, I'm absolutely. I mean, we only have so many minutes in a given day, and um, you know, there's a, been more and more of a push to have kids looking at nonfiction, um, especially informational text, because that's what's represented on the on the test. Um, and of course, even though they'll you know you'll hear people say, well, it's not all about the test. That's a nice platitude, but it doesn't really ring with the reality that we see every day. And so, more and more time is dedicated to those nonfiction pieces. And uh, just as you've noted, fewer and fewer novels, poetry, plays—all those things—are being cast aside or, or given much less credence. And so, we get to read less of them. Um, you know, and and it's uh, personally, I, I feel that it's a problem. I mean, as you've noted, these are the works that resonated with you based on your own personal experience, and I, I have a shared experience with that as well, that um, there were powerful pieces. Not necessarily did I always like them when I first read them, but over time, certainly the perspective and sort of that cultural anchor that they give us, thats right I don't think impacted us negatively in being able to analyze the world or anything else we read. Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that that is a, a problem, and it is a reality that I see in my classroom, where we read fewer novels. Fewer short stories, fewer plays, fewer poems, and they are being supplanted with nonfiction, informational text, which, although good and important, um, at the end of the day, in my opinion, seems relatively temporal. It's it's there, but there'll be another one tomorrow. There won't be any permanence from that
2: go ahead Chastity. One question I have Mr. Atkins is I, yeah. I was an English major at, at Michigan uh, ended up being a writer you know a, a journalist. <laughs> shocking. And shocking um, but I remember a lot of what I read in high school and in college and um, looking at this debate that's going on about Common Core talk to me about your thoughts uh, there are some teachers who say look you're going to take imagination out of the classroom you're going to take creativity out of the classroom and And informative text, they can get that in science class, in social studies, in other um, classes, uh, whereas in English, that's the place for imaginative and creative works that teach you how to write. What do you think?
1: You know, that's true. I mean, hopefully, and and there has been a push across our, um, you know, just for example, in my building, um, for more informational text to be used in the other curriculum, in social studies, in math, in science. Um, where before they may have only been reading the textbook, now they're being asked to incorporate you know, uh, our contemporary articles and things that are happening in the here and now that might be high interest to the students. Um, with the language arts, we are still being asked to pull that in, and really our focus becomes to look at the author's purpose, you know, that sort of rhetorical triangle, and help kids be able to identify, you know, how are they trying to achieve their goal as writers? Um and so, yeah, it becomes more technical and less art. There's a place for that, and it's important. Um, and certainly, the ability to argue and to look at arguments and to even see arguments as they exist in works that aren't overtly argumentative—these are important skills, and we need, and you know, students need them. Um, but you know, by the same token, you know, how do you look at something like *The Catcher in the Rye* or *You Know, Gatsby* or something else? I mean, there's an argument being made in those as well. And I think sometimes it's that more subtle argument that if we understand is more powerful as a skill for us um, as we go through life. Um, You know, so, yeah, it seems to be, and also, you know, you you talked about the writing, most of our writing is turning toward that nonfiction, less a response to literature um, and more about, you know, once again, why? Because it's what's on the test. You know, how do you take and make this argument or how do you dissect this particular writer's argument? Is really you know become the focus and the driving you know uh, goal for what we're after today because that's what's represented. Talk on Talk about
0: uh, talk about what some of these non-fiction uh, texts, these informational texts, might be. What what are they what are you having uh, students read instead of literature?
1: Um, oftentimes, it is it, it's articles, it's whatever we can pull out of the out of the news out of different sources um, on a day-to-day basis, uh, week-to-week basis. Uh, so the kids have a text in front of them. They're generally asked to read it, to talk to the text, to mark it up, indicate where they understand, where they don't understand, uh, vocabulary they have issues with, uh, summarize, um, you know, and then try to note maybe some of the tropes that the writer may be using to get their message across or, mm-hmm. you know, the, what, what the specific purpose of that writing might be. Um so it's, it's a lot of that. Um, sometimes it, it, it evidences itself as a nonfiction memoir um, or some other nonfiction work that we might ask the kids to read. Um, but more and more, it's smaller individual pieces pulled in on a regular basis, because once again, that reflects what they're going to see
3: yeah.
1: on that test. Um, you know, and again, an important skill, one they should have, I'm just not sure that you know, right. Why or is we, it in either w- know work? those percentages if those are the, if that's really the way we ought to be going? Yeah. But you
2: know what I, I'd like for you to talk about is the, the value of the uh, the literature that we all grew up with? Why should people read Toni Morrison? And, and it was, I mean, Toni Morrison was one of my favorites, but that is heady, heady stuff, <laughs> heavy, <laughs> heady stuff. <laughs> very difficult to, to teach very in a high school setting, very yeah. right? difficult to understand. You, it makes you just, you know bust your brain is so cerebral <laughs> writing, but when you have Tony Morrison or Ralph Ellison or you're trying to break down something by Chaucer, what? how is that different from, you know, reading an article by Stephen Henderson or Chastity right. Pratt? And, and I not agree. to disparage
1: I mean, our own work. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
3: there's
1: there's uh, you know, and absolutely some of those texts, I mean, depending on who you are as a student, you know, some texts are gonna be more more up your alley than others. I mean that's for sure. But I think, you know, literature gives us sort of that you know, shared connectivity. It's part of who and what we are. It's the very nature and fabric of our society. Um, it's, you know, to some degree, you know, you talk about Toni Morrison. You know, we have a shared experience because we both read that. Um, you know, cultural reference points for us, you know, we all can reach back to this sort of, you know, common shortcut to a whole idea if we can all reference back to a single piece of literature. Um, you know, I, I think those are incredibly important and... You know, inescapable for what they do for us as a, as a culture and as a society and as a people. You know, not every book is for every student. Um, sometimes, you know, I get a kid who finishes the book and they're just going to be angry with me because I made them read that. Um, <laughs> but they'll have that shared experience. And other times I'm going to get that kid who walks into my room after finishing Gatsby over the weekend and chews me out because how dare I make her read that book and why did he have to, spoiler alert, die?
4: Um, <laughs>
1: you know, she was so invested in their character, but, you know, now there's always that cultural reference point. We have some semblance of an idea of what the 20s were, of what, you know, this concept of the American dream that underlies it, and how we might see that reflected differently in different works. You know, it's, there's so much going on in any given piece of literature, yeah. and those, are, all those authors are always... Making an argument. They are always communicating something beyond just the story. Right.
2: And, and I think. My phones are we, lighting up. Yeah. I want to see what some uh, of these people is, have to say. I was just thinking, you know, when you read that stuff, you learn characterization. You learn, you know, how to write yeah. in a way that is. Far more, um, just in depth yeah. and layered.
0: Well, and as a journalist, uh, I will say that that literary flourish and and style and mechanic and and tool is a big part of my work, right? The best we writers all, right? We all use draw those literary from, tools from lit to to do our nonfiction work, and so I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we would do it uh, if we hadn't uh, had not had to read those books. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Dave Atkins. He's an English language arts teacher at Dearborn High School and Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter at Bridge Magazine who joins us regularly to talk about education. We are talking about the Common Core Standards and their pushing of literature out of the high school curriculum, 70% of the text according to the standards and the tests that it's used to measure the standards says uh, 70% of the text should be uh, informational, nonfiction, only 30% literature. Is this pushing Huck Finn out of your kids' high school? 313 1019 is the number. Let's go to Teresa in Detroit. Hi. Welcome to Detroit today.
3: Um, I just heard your comment about you of D high school. Uh huh. And my kid was in that class with you.
0: Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: and it changed. An entire family, those the, the literature that he got. he We had kind of protected our kids from all this racial stuff, and uh-huh. he had never been directly exposed to it. And he came home, and every night at dinner time, did you guys know about Ralph Ellison? Did you <laughs> know about The Indivisible Man? Yeah. And it just went, oh, my God, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. It was
0: really interesting to read that book, I remember, yeah. in, in a uh, uh, a class that had some racial diversity in it. Um,
3: Why don't you say the teacher's name? He was wonderful,
0: Mr. Kerwin, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. No, I remember him. I remember him really well. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Okay, so thank you for saying that because yeah. it really brought back very much. Right. Or are you
0: family. thinking of? Are you thinking of Father Polakowski, <laughs> okay, the senior? I am year. thinking of yeah. Polakowski. <laughs> all yeah. right uh, He and I had our our differences oh no
3: what could you differ with him <laughs> I mean, that, oh what was,
0: right. oh no <laughs> yeah, I was not his favorite student let's just leave well, it at that okay, Teresa, had, <laughs> he was so. my favorite teacher <laughs> That's of, right. of the mother of three All of right. them right <laughs> yeah okay thanks thank very you. much for the call uh heather in ferndale Sorry. welcome to detroit today oh.
5: Thank you, and I just want to tell you your show is a ray of hope in the world for me every morning (laughs) when I was on my way to work. I just want to say I find this so disheartening. Information is information. Literature, you know, is what informs us how to process it. You know, brilliant people who have lived through different times, but things don't change that much. And they, it just informs us on what it is to be human. And I just, I was saying to the person that answered my call originally, I, you know, I'm the mother of five. My mother is, uh, my youngest son is 18, and I just am so glad that my kids are out of school. I just, I've heard a lot about Common Core, and I've never read much into it, but this particular discussion is, as I say, it's disheartening. I think kids need that literature. It's, it's a gift. Like somebody else was saying, not everybody loves the same kind of literature, but you know, I just can't imagine a world without it.
0: Yeah, yeah. For
5: our kids.
0: No, Heather, thanks very much uh, uh, for that call and for those thoughts, Dave Atkins. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious what you think about the sort of motivation behind this kind of change and i guess what i'm getting at is is what we think the purpose of schooling is i mean certainly those informational texts help people uh, understand that the immediate world around them it makes them more prepared i guess to to go out and and sort of be better workers uh, as adults But it it doesn't make them uh, more educated people. It doesn't make them more well-rounded people the way literature does. And I wonder if uh, you detect, as I do, in the Common Core Standards, this sort of uh, moving away from the idea of education for education's sake uh, and toward sort of worker training uh, uh, for, for, for business, really.
1: You know, there, there's uh, there's definitely something to that. I mean, some of the things that are in the Common Core, I mean, they're fine. And like I said, I mean, the ability to understand an author's purpose or the purpose of somebody who's sending me some kind of message, so that I can better ferret out, you know, how I might be manipulated, and therefore maybe avoid overt manipulation in the persuasive realm. You know, those are good things, and they are important, and we need to have those. Um, but I I would tend to agree that you know if we focus too much and too too narrowly on any single thing, and especially as it might regards, um, you know, job training. I mean, I hear that all the time, career ready kind of stuff, and and you know that's something that for me personally, you know, and I don't speak for my school district or anything else at this point, but um, when I hear that and I hear that you know being told education, I think well why is it the state's responsibility to prepare a worker for an individual job? That should be, if you want a worker, you need somebody who is able to learn and has, you know, the background and the ability to get those things done. But your job as an employer is to train your employee to do the job. Um, It seems sometimes that corporations would rather shift that burden onto public education. And given that we're already dealing with limited resources, if you ask us to do that as well, we're going to not do something else. And... Really, what we you know me personally, I believe is, yeah, you know, we should be making literate, functioning, thinking citizens of a country who can think in a myriad of ways and not just simply be trained to do some basic job. Which you know, as we watch the job market evolve, if I give them a skill for jobs today, how good will it be tomorrow?
2: Right. You know, but if I give them the skills to think, one thing for themselves um, that they can really. Do it at any time. Really um, sticks with me that I learned in high school. I think it was was a quote from um, from Einstein. It's, he he was you know this really really smart guy, and he said, "Imagination is more important than knowledge." You know, imagination comes through in arts and. Uh, literature is an art form, right. and how do you create the next generation of inventors, of musicians, of artists, and you know even engineers are creative. How do you get to that level if you're not presenting them with the creativity of others, and you know allowing them to do the same, you yeah. know to learn from other artists? Yeah. I I don't get it. But you know one question I have for you, Mr. Atkins, is we know how curricula work in schools. Do you think that there are going to be teachers who say, yeah, okay, Common Core, I got your wink-wink? <laughs> my class is reading To Kill a Mockingbird this year, though, you know?
1: And I think, you know, certainly that goes on to some degree. I mean, you can always sneak in a little something, right? You can, you know, I can throw my little poem of the day at kids, even though poetry isn't part of my, you know, of, of one of my classes' particular curriculum. I mean, why? Because we can, right? I mean, because... A poem never hurt anybody near as I can tell, and it might have helped a few along the way. Um, so that's certainly existent. Um, but with the Common Core, with the drive to those test scores, becomes, you know, comes more oversight into the classroom. Yeah. Um, you know, you think back to the days when more or less the, the classroom door closed and there was the students and the teacher, and really nobody else broke that plane. Um, today, you know, regular walkthroughs by administrators and other people who are there basically to make sure that you're sticking to the script and you know doing those things from the common core that will be reflected on the test because once again we have to answer that master um it doesn't mean that nothing else gets done and it doesn't mean that you know those people and you know those administrators are horrible people but i mean they're being charged with the task and they they have to be reflect that in those test scores and so they have to make sure you know, then that the teachers are driving toward that, that goal as well, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because, you know, as you've noted, creativity, um, passion, all those things that really make life worth living um, sort of gets passed aside. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, and, you know, I grew, uh, grew up and went to school at Ethel Ford High School, and we had a humanities program when I was there. It's gone now, but um, at the time we had three days of English, a day of music humanities, and a day of art humanities. That was our week. And we did that for three years, so at the end, not only did I see literature you know as reflective of humanity, but I also saw its position in history and the history of human thinking right. and I saw that reflected in art and music as well um, and so you know you start to see how one thing sort of begat another throughout time, how human thinking has evolved and or evolved and you know you begin to see where are we today and where might we go tomorrow and with that collective experience of all those souls, of all those artists and poets and musicians and writers sort of stacked up in your head, you know, you could stand on the shoulders of giants and look sure. forward. Yeah. Um yeah. versus well, congratulations! I can digest an article and tell you what
0: the article's <laughs> purpose was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to add uh, someone else to this conversation. Emma Liebler, one of the city's great poets, your lecturer at Wayne State University Department of English, is going to join us. We're going to keep Dave Atkins and Chastity Pratt Dossie and continue the conversation about Common Core and literature. Is Huck Finn under duress? Uh, about to get kicked out of uh, your high school? Your kids' high school? Uh, because of standards that say non-fiction and informational text is more important. Stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today.
5: Music,
6: news, community, culture,
5: local, global, Detroit.
3: This is 101.9 WDET.
0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. My guests are Dave Atkins, he's an English language arts teacher at Dearborn High School, and Chesney Pratt-Dossie, a reporter at Bridge Magazine who joins us pretty regularly to talk about education issues, and welcoming, um, I would want to welcome now to the studio, M.L. Liebler, a poet and senior lecturer at Wayne State University, one of the city's great poets. M.L., welcome to
4: Detroit Today. Oh, come on. <laughs> Cut it out. That's <laughs> true. You know that's
0: true. Don't be modest. you <laughs> You got to be modest in this day and age with Trump out there. Right, right. What uh, the hell do you got to lose? <laughs> so we are talking about uh, the Common Core uh, state standards uh, that say, uh, when you combine them with the test that is evaluating how well they're doing, that just 30% of the high school curriculum by 12th grade should include literary works. 70% should be nonfiction, informational texts, uh, as they are called. And uh, we've been talking about what that will do to literature, books uh, like Huck Finn and Gatsby and The Invisible Man. Emma um, uh, Liebler, this will also... I imagine push poetry further out of the high school curriculum. No more
2: Shakespeare. Yeah,
0: right. And and <laughs> no poetry <more> <laughs> poetry I feel like is already yeah. not appreciated enough in the high school curriculum. I mean uh, uh, 30 years ago I didn't have uh, as much poetry as I did literature. I would imagine that these standards might just push poetry all the way
4: out. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been kind of going in that direction forever. You know, yeah, Uh, I just ran into uh, a UPS place and to mail something and they were books of poetry to a distributor in California. And um, she said, you know, I said, they are books of poetry. They got it. Oh, I hated that. I hated that in school, you know, and (laughs) and she was in school before. And it turned out she had a friend of mine, one of my former students as her teacher. So who wasn't really into poetry? So poetry. I think what poetry is, in particular, is people have been conned to think it's really difficult, high art that, you know, people, uh, regular people could never understand it. (laughs) It's coded. And I think a lot of teachers have helped to make that so, uh, you know, throughout college and in, in, in the school. So poetry has been pushed aside, but, you know, as I've been hearing on the discussions here, it is part of... Really, our humanity. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I saw, in relation to all of this, I saw a bumper sticker. It might have been a WDET bumper sticker or a DIA just the other day on a car that said, Life without art is stupid. <laughs>
3: and, you know, I mean, that's... that's yeah, that
4: blunt. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is true. You know, you take that humanity away from us. And um, and also the critical thinking skills that go along with reading literature um, and and go, getting below the surface, I, I heard you were saying that, um, you know, you, you, you started to understand certain aspects of our culture sure. by reading these, these books. And I tell my students all the time uh, here at Wayne that when I go to some other place uh, in the world, I always want to read their poetry and their stories, So I can understand the, you know, because that's how you really
0: know what's yeah, it's
4: all there in between the lines, so to speak. So uh, it's really important, and you remove that from our curriculum. And, and, you know, there's a problem there. You yeah. know,
2: I really worry that, uh, I'm, I really worry about the next generation. Mm-hmm. Who's going to write the next great script? Yeah. Who's going to be the next poet laureate? If they're not learning this in school and wanting to be a screenwriter, sure. to be a... Uh you know, we love movies. That's an art. You know, yeah, writing sure. a script. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something that you learn from reading stories, not from reading the newspaper.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, God bless the newspaper. That's true. You know, <laughs> I depend on it for for many things, <laughs> right. but it is not literature. Uh let's go back to the phones mm-hmm. here. Tom in Northwest Detroit. Uh welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, good morning
6: to all of you. You know what? I'm sitting here and I'm enjoying the conversation and you know. You were talking about you know literature and that kind of thing, and I mean when I thought about it. I went to Detroit Cathedral, which is no longer uh-huh, here, so yeah. on Belmont, right behind the Blessed Sacrament Cathedral Church. But anyway, we had a reading list over the summer of about four books that we had to read. I mean I read J.D. Salinger. We read The Status Seekers, you know, 1984, The mm-hmm. Lord of the Flies, and I really, I mean I and I, I got hooked on um, Arthur Conan Doyle. And the Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> that was my first introduction to Sherlock Holmes. And I mean, any time when a movie comes on, I always watch him. But you know, but you know, I wasn't really like a, a poetry guy. But and, and I remember when we were—I think I was in the eleventh or twelfth grade—we had this when we had this instructor. The guy's name was Brother Neil. We were taught by brothers of Christian instruction, <laughs> and I mean, he talked about imagery. And instead of just reading black words on on, on paper. I mean, he hooked that imagery up to where that book actually came to life. Yeah. And I mean, today I can sit down, I can read a book or I can read an article or I can read some stuff, in the, you know, like in the newspaper. And sometimes it just jumps out at me, especially like with a newspaper. And I mean, I can read that article and bang, a letter to the editor, you know, pops up right there in front of me. But I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed, you know, the kind of uh, education that I got as far as literature went, and um, you know, I just think that, you know, as far as information goes, I mean, you know. They can get information at home when they go uh, <laughs>
3: into.
6: Right. If they, You know, you don't need a television now anymore. They got these phones. You know, I, I don't have, I don't right. have a Tell real smartphone. Tell me smart, about it. Screen time. I don't have a real smartphone. I got a, you know, I got a phone that graduated <laughs> high school, but not college. <laughs> but, you know, they can get their information yeah, right there. But, I mean, that that you know, the arts, the humanities, oh, man, you can't beat those kinds of things. Yeah. And I'm glad... I'm glad I was fortunate enough to go to a school where they didn't. When I got down to Wayne, I had a humanities <laughs> class also, and I mean, I looked at art a whole different way. Yeah, uh, Tom,
0: thanks, you, thanks very much uh, for the call, uh, Emma Lieber, I'm curious about w- w- what uh, in your early schooling or high school schooling uh, sort of made you feel like you wanted to be a poet was it the curriculum was it the things that you were
4: well you know it, that, i'm not a really great example of that <laughs> uh because i i did for whatever reasons in the uh, second grade just start scribbling things that i didn't really know what they were huh. in in my school books uh-huh. and i was raised by my grandparents so they had to pay for those books and, um, and uh, because the teachers say he's always writing stuff. And then it was uh, in fifth grade, I discovered that there was a lot of white space around it mm-hmm. and that that book said those were poems. So I kind of came to it Why? that way. But, but what, what, some of the things I say to, to um, young people in classes, even with literature, overall uh, poetry or literature, is that, you know, if you, if you hear it, You'll kind of know it and you'll it will make really good sense to you. And one way the example I sh- share with them is sort of how their parents or grandparents might see rap and they listen to it and it makes sense to them. and And I say literature is kind of like that if you are it can tune your ear into it and tune your soul into it. it will make great sense to you and, and it will open itself up to you in ways that, In the same ways that, you know, lyric will do that in music or even if it's instrumental music, uh, you know, people have feelings about those things. And it all goes back to that. Uh, And the other thing, too, that's been happening, and and maybe somebody can explain this. um, But one thing is, is that I've been and I just sharing I'm sharing it today with my students because this is the first day. But there there are articles coming out now where medical schools are only taking English majors into their program, accepting them into their Is program. That right? Because and and I used to teach, uh, you know, literature and critical thinking over at the Wayne State Med School back in the 80s, which was pretty insightful on their behalf, because they wanted, you know, the the first year students coming in to be able to think critically. And, of course, we do, too, when we come into the emergency room, don't want them, you know, thinking that, oh, you know, I don't know, why don't you try this and see what happens with that wound, (laughs) you know. Um, you know, so, so they started that program, but these, this is happening. And then at Wayne, again, somebody out there explained this, uh, and I, I love it, but the creative writing wing of the English department at Wayne State is, is going through the roof in enrollment. Hmm. I mean, those classes, all of them, and I do a couple of them, sell out in minutes. Wow. So, you know, what uh, people are saying, well, what's that about? And I'm saying, what's that about? I don't know. But it does really speak to the importance of this that so many people across the country, but especially at Wayne, you know, you couldn't uh, get people to enroll in creative writing 10, you know, 15 years ago really to save yourself. Now we got to turn students away and say maybe next semester you can get in this class.
2: You know what, though? I wonder, are we limiting students Analytical skills. When we limit their exposure to creative writing, to poetry, um, if you know the goal of Common Core and the standards are to um, develop critical thinkers who can right. think analytically and who can write clearly, are, are we limiting that 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 skill by limiting what we expose them oh, to? Oh,
4: absolutely. We're cutting that whole thing out of the you know educational experience. Which then, you know, and I heard you were talking about, you know, schools being vocational schools now. Because college is so expensive, that I think many students see it that way as, well, I can't just take a literature class. I've got to take the classes so I can be an engineer or right. whatever. And I think it's a really perceptive students, and I see quite a few of them, who will enroll even in a creative writing class when they're science majors or Uh, You know, in other areas, engineering students and so forth. So um, you're right. You're right. When you take that away, what you have then are people that are not critical thinkers. They just follow the system. They pull the lever. They vote, you know, (laughs) this way or that. And they, they they just have no sense of reasoning and logic yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Uh,
0: this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. <clears throat> I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Dave Atkins, an English language arts teacher from Dearborn High School. Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter at Bridge Magazine, joins us regularly to talk about education. And M.L. Liebler, a poet and senior lecturer at Wayne State University's Department of English. We're talking about Common Core and literature, uh, the tension between those two uh, dynamics or institutions, uh, Common Core calls for more informational text, less literature in the high school curriculum. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Dave Atkins, uh, I want to ask you about sure. the, the the gap that I imagine um, exists between, uh, say, a, Deer, uh, a district like Dearborn or a district like uh, Livonia or Gross Point. Uh, and a district like uh, Ecourse, well, I guess there, there is no Ecourse district anymore, right? No, there's Ecourse. <laughs> there's no Inkster. Right. There's no Inkster, right? <laughs> uh, but but a, a, a district that's dealing with uh, uh, fewer resources, uh, more strain anyway, based on the population that they have. I imagine that 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 there is just as there's a gap in the way that those districts sort of are able to serve their students. I would imagine that there's a gap in the way that they're they're internalizing uh, this this sort of edict from uh, from Common Core and and the test. Uh, it, it, do you do you imagine that's so? <laughs> i think we lost dave nope. okay well uh well, <laughs> well, if dave calls back we will uh we'll, you know we'll what though to, you make um,
2: me think of you know when in school districts where they are you know lacking funding there's yeah. 50 deficit districts now you know if you want them to read 1984 if you want them to read animal farm or lord of the flies or to kill them or any of those books who's gonna buy them Right.
4: Right. Um, Well, that's an issue. Yeah. That is facing the publishing world of of creative novels and poetry and stuff is the audience is, is seriously shrinking and it's becoming something kind of of the past, like an artifact. Hey, this is a book. People actually looked at this, <laughs> right. you know. It wow. was on paper. Yeah.
2: Romeo and Juliet. <laughs>
4: it's <laughs> no. that, yeah, it's on paper. It's on what paper. is that? You know.
2: I remember everyone at CAST, that was a ninth grade thing. Everybody had to read Romeo and mm. Juliet. You had to read to Kill a Mockingbird. And you know, when you read those, you went through an emotional catharsis that you do not experience in most informative texts. Right. And that was just part of your whole growing up, part of your teenage years, which are already emotional, and now you're reading Shakespeare <laughs> right, and now you're, right. you're reading right. all yeah. this and really good narrative stuff that just makes you feel some kind of way about the world and learn yeah. a lot at the same time
0: yeah uh, let's take one more call here Karen in Gross Point Park welcome to Detroit Today
3: hi hey Karen um, this is Karen yeah I I taught English as a second language for quite a few years mm-hmm. and if you think that it's difficult for American students to read the literature you can imagine some of these students from foreign countries but it was so important Um, I had this one student from Pakistan he was a very matter-of-fact young man he wanted to be a doctor and the first time he had to read something in fiction he came and told me my teacher tells me this is a lie and so I had to explain to him it was a story and the story that they were reading it was of mice and men and um, you know he had one way of thinking but after he read of mice and men he came back and said George killed Lenny, but I'm not mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> so it made a whole different, you know, a, a different way of thinking. And yes, when you read yeah. The Crucible, when we read The Crucible, mm-hmm. a totally different way of thinking. Sure. You know, the mob and then all the different people, and uh, same with Huckleberry Finn. So he went back to Pakistan, and I think maybe he will think a little bit differently than he would had he not been exposed to different points of view and different characters and motivations. And it's such a, a rich, rich thing that we have in our culture, and it just seems terrible yeah. that our, our to pull it out, students right? won't be a yeah, I won't be exposed
0: yeah. to it. All right. Uh, Karen, thanks very much <coughs> for your call. Uh, thanks to my guests, uh, Chastity Pratt-Dossi, reporter with Bridge Magazine, Dave Atkins, an English language arts teacher at Dearborn High School, and M.L. Liebler, a poet and senior lecturer at Wayne State University. This is a great conversation, guys. Well, you
4: know, what I've noticed, too, to add on to the second, uh, English as a second language, is, you know, I've been to a few different countries uh, in this world And overseas, uh, in whether it's Afghanistan or the West Bank or uh, China or, you know, places like uh, Germany where I was doing a little Fulbright work this year, that is a regular part of their program and it's not as foreign to them, as alien to them. And it's pretty important. And you can kind of connect with them, even though I'm doing English uh, and they're learning English in some cases. But yeah, it's utilized yeah. in that way, and yeah. it's it's really uh, it's it, it major breakthrough. Now, yeah. how do we transfer that here? That's the that's the, the yeah challenge. something yeah. something's happened, <laughs> uh, and it's been happening because when I was in high school too, and you guys are talking about uh, you know J D Salinger and stuff. It, well, I'm not as as old as this is going to sound, <laughs> but we used to have to pass catcher in the rye from locker to locker. Yeah. That was not part of the curriculum. Wow. Wow. And it was like, hey, yeah, well, check this out. And it was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: All right. Uh, M.L. Liebler, Chastity Pratt, Dossie, Dave Atkins, thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today.
2: All right. right. Thank you. I'll see you next time.
0: Coming up next, we're going to talk about Detroit's underground newspaper, The Fifth Estate, and the final exhibit. At the Detroit Historical Museum, exploring the publication's impact on Detroit's counter narrative movement. Stay with us on Detroit Today. <music>